You can do better than that. We're here gathered worship in the strong tower that can handle anything that we face. Let's give it up to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. Wow. What a beautiful day. Maybe not out there, but it is in here. In Guthrie in Oklahoma City, Lexington, Mabel Bassett. If you would, remain standing and grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Exodus, chapter number 14. Hopefully you're reading along with us. This is reading two. We're in week, I think, number six of life after <clears throat> the garden. And in verse 14, chapter 14, I'm gonna take up one verse and that is going to be the last one of the chapter. And to set up the storyline of what's going on here is that the children of Israel who had been in Egypt's captivity, bondage, slavery for 400 years <clears throat> had been set free. Moses had had a commission by God through the burning bush experience to go and to proclaim to Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh said no. <clears throat> and plague after plague began to come and his heart got harder and harder until finally the last one was the killing of the firstborn male of everything, humans and animals. If the blood of the lamb had not to the doorpost, which brings about the Passover. And the Bible is just beautiful, awesome, amazing. These are incredible stories. And then Pharaoh says, get out, go. And they begin to head out. They get to the Red Sea. They have no way to cross. Pharaoh has a change of heart and begins to send hundreds of his chariots and men to go kill the Israelites. They're freaking out. God tells Moses to hold out his staff, holds out his staff, the Red Sea splits in two. They walk across on dry ground. Let's pick it up here, verse number 31. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant, Moses. Then going down to chapter number 15, Moses writes a song out of this. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and, say it with me, my song. Say that again, my song. One more time, my song. He has given me victory. This is my God. And I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. <clears throat> the song continues on down all the way to verse number 18. And then there's an offset of that song that happens a few verses later. But I wanna go to one more verse right now in this song. And that is verse 13. And this is where I'm gonna take the crux of a message. I want to unpack from this thought. With your unfailing love, you lead the people you have redeemed. In your might, you guide them 
to your sacred home. Father, let us hear from you today. We need you. God, help me, because you know I need your help. And God, help every single person to receive what you want to give them. Oh, and bring about a song in their heart. Even in the most weary of person, may they leave with a new song that they're singing. In Christ's name I pray, amen. You may be seated in Guthrie in Oklahoma City. <clears throat> if you've been raised in church for very many years, you may understand what I'm talking about when I ask, how many of you love the old songs? Anybody love the old songs? Several hands are going, and, and I do too. Matter of fact, oftentimes when just one of those rare moments that I'm going through something or praying, it's oftentimes the oldies that come to mind more than the recent ones. It's beautiful. But when I hear people tell me, say, hey, pastor, I really like the old songs. I wish you'd sing those again. I wanna ask, like, which old songs? In which time frame are you talking about? Does that make sense? Because you can go back and say, oh, the you know, 70s, 80s, you can go back to the 60s, you can go back, and there's a few of those that have overlapped many years, but you, you can go back a few hundred years. We're not singing those songs because every generation has to have new songs they're singing. Matter of fact, anytime that there is a move of God and the spirit of God is moving, there's gonna be new songs coming out of those revivals. Again and again, they happen. At North Church, over the last Many months, songs have been coming. Songs have been coming from people sitting where you're sitting, that we are singing and preparing to sing now. Songs that are coming from our worship team that gets up here every week. We expect it from them, but from somebody who is just in the seat each week and God gives them a song. We need a fresh move of God in our church and in our individual lives so that we have a song in our heart. Now, I'm talking about more than just something that becomes as a poem that we put down on paper, that becomes a melody that we put to instrument. I'm talking about a song in our heart. And there's individuals listening to me right now that you, you, you've come today struggling. You've come today in a difficult moment. And I'm here to tell you that my God wants to put a song in your heart that no matter what you're facing, you can leave with a smile on your face knowing that your God is in control. That's what I'm talking about more than anything else. Throughout the Bible, it references new songs. David, all of those were new songs of his era and his time. Psalm 98 says, sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done wonderful deeds. His right hand has won a mighty victory. His holy arm has shown his saving power. So who are we singing the songs to? Oh, help me out, somebody. The Lord. That's who we're singing them to. Continue on, Psalm 149. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing his praises in the assembly of the faithful. So we're singing to the Lord. The second one says we're singing to the Lord, but we're also singing them together with the people of God. Amen? Psalm 149. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing his praises in the assembly of the faithful, and then go back to Psalms 96. Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. 
So in other words, our new songs are to be done together, but our new songs also are to impact the world. What God has placed inside of us, that melody, that song, that joy that people notice should impact people at our workplace, in the supermarket, in our home, everywhere we go. Most people might not realize this, but the very first song in the Bible was Exodus chapter 15 that we just read. The first one. I'm sure that the children of Israel had sung some songs before over the 400 years that they were in Egypt's bondage. But probably most of them were songs of mourning, songs of grief, songs of struggle, songs of suffering. And there's nothing wrong with those songs too. Matter of fact, they have their place in the body of Christ. But here they're singing for all the right reasons, a song of celebration that Moses has written of their deliverance, honoring God with what he had done. We should be singing new songs from the heart. Now, you may think, Pastor, I'm not a good singer. I know, I heard you. I've heard a lot of you. I can understand that, I can relate. I don't have a problem with that. But there's nothing in the scripture that says that you gotta sing with a certain quality before you can sing under the Lord and have a melody in your heart, right? And, and I, I can relate this to my grandchildren because our children will send videos of them singing songs and if I let you listen to that song, you might not be quite as impressed as I am. But to Shannon and me, those songs are quite impressive. Matter of fact, we would rather have a song from them than anyone else on the face of the planet, anyone I'm talking about. There is something beautiful about it. There's something magnificent about it. We will sit there and listen to that song again and again, laying in bed at night before we go to sleep, and it does ourselves some good. Well, let me tell you something. My God in heaven looks at you as your own, his own special child, and here's nothing he'd rather have as a song from you a song in your heart, and it doesn't matter what it sounds like, my God says, oh, that's special to me. It is as beautiful as any song of anyone on the face of the planet when you direct your song unto God. So what song should we be singing? Let me give you a few thoughts. One, about God's unfailing love that leads us. Does anyone remember January the 12th, around 9.30, 10 o'clock in the evening, the earth shook. January the 13th, around 4 a.m. in the morning, the earth shook, both of them 4.4 on the Richter scale. And on the second one, one of the frames in our bedroom fell down, hit one of the light switches, broke the light switch and fell to the ground. The frame was okay, but it broke a light switch. And as the next morning when I got and looked at it, I, I, I thought it was probably nailed to the wall. I didn't put it up as nailed to the wall or on a stud or you know, on, into the brick or something, but no, 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 no. It was just a piece of blue tape that was around it that my wife had done and stuck to the wall. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, and actually it had <clears throat> managed to stay on the wall for two years. But over time, it just began to wear away its strength and ability to hold, and all it took was something earth-shaking, 4.4, to release it, and so it would fall to the ground. Let me just tell you, the love of this world is sticky, and it holds for a little bit, but it will give way. 
when the times of life and the troubles of life begin to come, it, it will begin to, it can't hold the shaking that this world brings. But there is a love, that, an unfailing love from God that can withstand whatever shaking you face. Whatever you go through in your marriage, whatever you go through in your job, whatever you go through in your health, whatever you go through in your life, there is a stronghold in heaven that will hold you, and I'm talking about God's unfailing love. For 430 years, the Israelites were in Egypt, but it was God's unfailing love that was holding them together. It was God's unfailing love that managed to get Joseph to Egypt. It was God's unfailing love that be able to get Jacob and his siblings back united with Joseph. It was God's unfailing love that gave them favor. And it was God's unfailing love that sustained them when they did not have the favor from Pharaoh. You see, whatever you're going through should not be interpreted as God's lack of favor on your life or lack of love in your life. No, 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 no. Matter of fact, oftentimes in the darkest, most difficult times of life, it is God showing his unfailing love and his favor in your life in those times saying, I'll sustain you, I will get you through, I will make sure that you get through this situation. Don't release the hold on God because God has not released the hold on you. <clears throat> and even in your struggle, God will make you successful. Do you realize that? Go back and read Exodus chapter one and verse number seven. While the children of Israel were in Egypt's bondage, they began to multiply and grow. They were successful. Even when Pharaoh began to increase the wages and begin to increase the punishment on them. Even when they were trying to kill off the children, God still had his hand on the people of God and made them successful in the middle of the struggle. Hold on, God will do that. Exodus 15 verse 11 says, who is like you among the gods, O glorious, O Lord glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders. No gods in Egypt for sure. I noticed this week that the shortest song in the Bible is found in 2 Chronicles chapter five. It is the dedication of the temple when Solomon's dedicating the temple. And the song goes just like this. This is all there is to it. He is good. His faithful love endures forever. You see, sometimes when you're driving down the road, sometimes when you're given bad news, you just need to sing those few words. You just whisper them under your voice. Commit them to memory and let a song flow out of your heart that his faithful love endures. So what, what do we bring? You know, because sometimes when you buy a gift for somebody who seems to have everything, it's like, what do you buy them, right? You ever struggle with that? Like, what, what do you buy? They have everything, what do I buy? What do, we, what do we bring to God? Money, does he need our money? Is that why we tithe? No, he doesn't need your money. He's not gonna miss out on bank, you know, paying bankroll in heaven because you don't bring your tithe. No, he, he can handle that. You, the tithe and bringing the offerings is not about you being able to give to him so that he can manage things. It's about you managing what God has given you and learning to bless God with what you have given. Do, do we bring him a cow? Here's a cow, God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need your cow, but he does want your song. He does want your praise. How do I know that? Look what it says in Isaiah chapter five. Now I will sing for the one I love, a song about his vineyard. I will sing to the one I love. Psalms 100 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with, say it with me, praise. In Zephaniah chapter number three, notice what it says. 
Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, that unfailing love, he will calm all your fears and he will rejoice over you with, say it with me, joy. So what do you have here? Is you have an image of us singing unto the Lord. And as we sing unto the Lord, it's not that it's gonna change God's character, God change God's day, change anything about God because you sing to him, but it will change yours. Because when you begin to sing unto him, it says then he looks down and he reciprocates back to you with, with what? With love with calming of your fears. And then he begins to stand over you. The image is singing joyful songs. It's kind of the image of me with my brands when they're sleeping in the bed, just standing over them, singing them lullabies, singing them songs. You see, when you bring your praise into God and you begin to worship him, God just returns the praise back down to you and begins to sing praises over you. Oh, that's good. Also, What do we sing about? God's faithfulness to redeem and deliver us. God's faithfulness to redeem and deliver us. This past week, we had the grands again, and we're getting now to the point with number five coming that Shannon and I once could play, you know, one-on-one defense, but now we've had to switch to zone defense because we're outnumbered. And so when it comes to bedtime, we could put them in a crib and put them in a room to themselves, but right now we're just like enjoying that stage of them sleeping with us. And so I had the two of the boys with me and Shannon had Eleanor in the room with her and we, we were sleeping and Shepard woke up crying, multiple times woke up crying, hurting his legs. And he was kind of really still asleep and he was just like whining, moaning, complaining and I was reaching over, saying, it's okay, Shepherd," and begin to sing to him, begin to rub his legs, begin to, you know what? I did not like going without the sleep multiple times through the night. But there's also another side of me that says, I would rather be there doing that than anything else I know. If I could help my grandkid out in a moment of their struggle, I wanna do it. Do you think God is that way in heaven when you're going through a difficult time? that he says, I want to be there for you. If you'll let me, I want to be there for you. Oh, caressing whatever's going on, nurturing you, loving on you. Then the next night I sleep with Eleanor. Four o'clock in the morning, she's she's sound asleep. Four o'clock in the morning, she wakes me up. She's laughing, (laughs) laughing. In her sleep, she's laughing. And I wake up and look at her and then she begins to sing a song. Deep and wide. One-year-old, she just turned two, but one-year-old. Deep and wide, there's a fountain. Now, some of the words I couldn't make up, but I knew the melody, I knew what she was singing. And you know what? There was nothing that did me good any more than that. I love that moment. I cherish that moment. There's nowhere I'd want to be. I know that my God in heaven, when you're going to a time of mourning or you're going to a time of rejoicing, he wants you to give songs unto him. He wants to stand over you and shower his praise and blessings over you. Isaiah 61 says, to all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. God redeems the captive. 
And let me just say, his arc of justice may seem slow at times. For the children of Israel, it seems slow 430 years. And for you, it may seem slow, his arc of justice. But tell, let me tell you something, it's coming. He's gonna redeem. He's gonna deliver. But the question is, will you worship God in the wait? John chapter 20 in our reading this week, the disciples see Jesus. They tell Thomas, and we know him as doubting Thomas because he refused to accept. And I think that Jesus probably intentionally waited another eight days. It says eight more days later because he was doubting. Like, okay, let's just give him some time to think about this. And then Jesus shows up. And when Jesus shows up, he looks at him and touches his nails. He says, oh, my Lord, my God. And Jesus says to him, Thomas, you have believed because you see, but blessed are those who have not seen, but yet, what? Believe, believe, even when you don't see. Psalm 106 gives us a little different insight into Exodus 15 than we would normally get. This, this is key to note, Psalms 106. <clears throat> because when we read Exodus 15 a while ago and Moses writes this, Moses is writing from his heart, <laughs> but all the other people of Israel hadn't quite got on board with him yet. Does that make sense? That they really weren't quite on board. How do I know that? Because you go a few verses before and they're complaining to him about why they brought him out, them out here. We're gonna die, you, you brought us out here. And then even right after this miraculous splitting of the Red Sea, the next few verses down in the chapter, they're complaining about the lack of water, about the lack of food. They are constantly complaining. Notice what it says. This is a warning to all of us because this applies to us as much as it did to them. And this is David, hundreds of years later, writing this. Like our ancestors, so he's putting us into the same boat, we have sinned. We have done wrong. We have acted wickedly. How? Our ancestors in Egypt were not impressed by the Lord's miraculous deeds. They soon forgot his many acts of kindness to them. Let's be honest. How many of you, God does something good, the next day you're going through a struggle and it's as if God has not done anything good for you? May we be careful. Instead, they rebelled against him at the Red Sea. Even so, he saved them to defend the honor of his name and to demonstrate his mighty power. Hold on a second. Just because things aren't going good does not mean your spiritual walk is going good. What I mean by that is just because things are going good in your life doesn't mean that you are doing all the right things. Sometimes God just does good things for you in spite of you. Yo. He commanded the Red Sea to dry up. He led Israel across the sea as if it were a desert. So he rescued them from their enemies and redeemed them from their foes. Then the waters returned and covered their enemies. Not one of them survived. Verse 12, this is the key. Then as people believed his promises, then they sang his praise. Let me read it one more time. Then the people believed his promises, then they sang his praise. Here is the issue. Is that they believed God after the miracle instead of before the miracle. They sang to God after the miracle instead of before the miracle. The real test of your spiritual maturity is can you sing a song unto the Lord when it seems like there's no reason to sing a song unto the Lord? That's the real test. And for the children of Israel, 
this is what happened. And, and notice the next few verses because this is what happens. When you are that person that you can only sing when you see the miracle and know the miracle and it's tangibly there, here's what will happen. Yet they quickly forgot what he had done. They wouldn't wait for his counsel. In the wilderness, their desires ran wild, testing God's patience in that dry wasteland. So he gave them what they asked for, but sent a plague along with it. Could it be that now they are hardening their hearts just like Pharaoh hardened his heart? And now they're reaping the plagues that was only meant for, for Egypt because of their hard hearts? God did this incredible miracle, yet they soon forgot. And then when you soon forgot, then you stop waiting for God's counsel and you start taking decisions and choices into your own power. Then it turns you over to your flesh just doing whatever you want. And ultimately, God says, I'll give you what you want and send leanness, spiritual leanness, plagues into your soul. Man, I don't want that. I don't want to be that person. Do you? No. You see, the measure of a God-honoring and pleasing song is one that is sung, sang before there is reason to even sing. God pours out his presence on those who are praising him. And the last one is this, God's goodness guides us to his sacred home. This is why we should be singing new songs of the Lord because of God's goodness that guides us to his sacred home. What's his sacred home? It's that promised place, it's that blessed place, it's that place of favor. I didn't say it's a place of no struggle because even in Canaan they had incredible struggles that they had to endure. But God is with you. May of 2017, family and I went to uh, Greece. And my objective on a eight day run was to jump around to an, four different islands for two days. One actually was only one day. But we'd stay on this one island. The first one we flew into was Milos. And then we were gonna go from there to Santorini and then move on to two more islands. The first day we got there, we hadn't been there very many hours and we found out that the government was on strike, the government workers. And all of their transportation system in Greece is government ran. Their planes, their boats, their trains, everything. Here we are on an island and I'm trying to think about, okay, they're saying it could be days, they say it's gonna be at least four to six days, it could be weeks. And I'm thinking, we've already paid in full everything at the next island and we've paid everything in full at the next island and we've paid everything in full at the next island, I've gotta figure out some way to get off of this island. And for the next two days, instead of really enjoying it, I was actually trying to figure out how to get off of it. And I finally found this local guy who said, I'll take you and your family there. It was not a plane, it was a boat. I didn't see his boat until we got there to get in it. It was a basic, tiny fishing boat. And he lied to me. He told me how long it was gonna take. That was not the truth. Not the truth at all. I'm talking about going over open waters across the sea with my family. We get there. We get in this boat to leave the assigned time. It is raining. It is storming. There's a little canopy over the boat. We begin to head out. For the first hour and a half, it is bad. 
My daughter in love, Haley, is throwing off, throwing up on the side of the boat, one side. My daughter, Phaedra, is throwing up on the other side. And they're giving me threats to Father Fouts. They're like, this is not gonna be good. But about an hour and a half to two hours into it, the sun began to peek out. Eventually, it came out in full. Eventually, the waves settled down. It was still a long ride. But we began to hear nature sing. We began to actually enjoy it. I wish it had been shorter, but nine plus hours later, we got there. And here is the picture of us on that boat with Santorini behind us, and it was so beautiful. We could hear the ocean singing, the seagulls singing, the beauty of the city coming. Let, let me just tell you this. Sometimes life is not always easy selling. Sometimes there's storms, but don't give up on God, your heavenly Father, because I was uncertain about my word, but God is never uncertain about his. And he will get you through the storms of life and you will see the sun shine again. Keep the song inside of you. Keep rejoicing because it is coming your way. Isaiah 42.10 says, sing a new song to the Lord. Sing his praises from the ends of the earth. Sing all you who sail on the seas, all you who live in distant coastlands. Right before Christmas, I had a God, God moment that I'm gonna unpack a little bit next week where God gave a new song inside of me. And I believe that this song is not just for me, it's also for all of us. You see, God wants to lead his people, which is you, to the sacred home, the promised land, the land of Canaan, that place where heaven and earth kiss. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Where we see the beauty of God. But you gotta keep the song in your heart. Don't let the devil take the song away. Some of you lost the song. Keep the melody, keep the joy, keep it in your heart. Exodus 15 and 17 says, you will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord. Reserve for your own dwelling the sanctuary, O Lord, that your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. And for you that are hoping that they're gonna sing your oldies in heaven someday, that you sung in church, Revelation chapter five, verse number nine says, and they sang a, say it with me, but let me just tell you, sometimes a new song is actually an old song. You hear the difference? Because we can sing songs again and again and it just becomes old hat. Or we can sing songs that have been sung for years and, we've, and it is just fresh and new inside of us. Oh. Revelation chapter 15 is the last song in the Bible. And God is so brilliant. Verse number three of Revelation 15. Yet Exodus 15 was the first song in the Bible. Exit Revelation, this is the last, the last song. <clears throat> and they were singing, say it with me, the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the what? Lamb, who's the lamb? 
Oh, oh, come on. This is preaching stuff here. This is good stuff. So what Moses did is the first song. It's actually the last song in the Bible. What was the lamb in the, his story, his song? Remember the Passover and the lamb had to be killed and the blood passed over the doorpost and the death angel would fly over wherever the blood is. Come on out, let me tell you something. What we're gonna sing in heaven is an old song, but it's gonna be a new song inside of us. Somebody say amen. Continue on. He says this. Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous deeds have been revealed. I want you to stand to your feet if, if, no, no, not everybody. I want you to stand to your feet if you need a new song. If you need a new song, maybe you're facing something right now. Discouragement, health issues, children, parents, job. Maybe just a spiritual dryness in you. Some people are starting to stand. I'm not, start standing, move, move quick. You, you need that. Don't, don't leave without a fresh song inside of you. Don't leave without the breath of the Holy Spirit breathing on your heart and life. Move, move and say, God, I want more than anything else is a new song inside of me. I pray quite often, God, give me a new song. I don't wanna keep repeating the same things. Anyone else, quickly, Guthrie, Oklahoma City, stand to your feet. God is speaking right now. I want all of you that are standing, if somebody else needs to stand, stand, but raise your hands, raise your hands. Yeah, 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 keep them up, keep them up. Now, I want everybody seated to stand with them, but you that are standing, I'm gonna pray a special blessing over. Father, I pray the power of the Holy Spirit will begin to fill this room. May your glory descend and may you breathe into their hearts a new song, a melody, a melody inside of them that is singing unto the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, in the middle of their storm, singing, in the middle of their struggle, singing, in the middle of whatever it is they're going through, the valley of the shadow of death or the mountaintop, we're gonna sing unto the Lord. And God, may you sing down upon them. May you rain down upon them with your glory and your goodness and your blessing. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Our altars are open. People are here for prayer. Begin to move, begin to move, and begin to receive prayer. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen.